0: Today is a good day too, because it's not only the Lord's day, but uh, also we're going to start into a new study this morning. More on that in a minute, but man, am I excited. I'm excited where we're going, where where God is leading, and and, um, not only, I said it in class, but but here, during the uh, praise, during all of church, right? The the teaching that's going to take place, uh, hopefully I'll lay myself Uh, my flesh back there and let God come up here and the Spirit work through me and teach. And and it won't be my words, but it will be His. And that's what I pray you walk out of here with is His words, not mine. And uh, I I love that He does that. And that He is the God of all creation, all knowing, and the God that uses people who are just ordinary. And uh, I am blessed that He uses me. Who might be below ordinary, but I love it. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, I will tell you, that um, I love that this church is a church, is a group of people that can be honest. And you come here with smiling faces, and, and, and you're not afraid to share. It's been a tough week, but yet you come here to fellowship, to to praise Him. To to be in His Word and to get refueled. You know, uh, uh, this world is a tough place. This world can beat you down. The things of of work, the things of society, the things of of everything of life can beat you down. And and I pray that this is a place that you can come and let it be a fueling station. Let it be a feeding trough. Let it be a place that you come and and get recharged to, to go out And you're weak. And still smile. Still have joy in your heart because it's His joy, not ours. Not the joy of the world, but joy. And people are like, what's wrong with you? (laughs) It's good if they're saying it. It's good if they're saying it. I love that about this church though. And and, and, um, Let it be a feeling station. Let it be a place to come and recharge and and, uh, be ready to go and do for the Lord as you leave this place. And I'll tell you, if it's your first time here, I just want to say welcome. Thanks for coming. We're uh, blessed that you are here. Let me introduce Beecher Island to you. We are an independent, non-denominational, Jesus-loving, Bible-preaching church. And I love saying that, but you know what? We are about that. We are about Him. We are about that. Jesus is salvation. And it's only in Him that there is salvation. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says, it's all in me come to me and you will have life. We've just spent the last year and a half to 2 years talking about believing in Jesus. And that's salvation. And I, we stand in that. That's where we where we are. And as we continue on in our new study, okay, we believe. We believe. Now, now what? What's that look like in <clears throat> We're going to start in Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a book that I love. Nehemiah is a is a, quite a guy. We're going to go with that. He is not afraid to take the bull by the horns, if you want to say. It's been said that there are three people. Three kinds of people today. There are those who don't have a clue what's going on. There are those who watch what's going on. And there are those who... Make what happens. Or make make things happen. And Nehemiah made things happen. Nehemiah wasn't afraid to make things happen. And I love that about him. And and that's what we're going to study. I will tell you, there's there's some disagreement on this book. Uh, I'm not going to get into all the history and the details of this book. Because I want to focus on Nehemiah and what Nehemiah did. But there are some disagreements as to who wrote Nehemiah. Some say it was Nehemiah, some say Ezra. I don't care. That's where I'm at with it. Because I want to look at the first person account of Nehemiah and what he did. And there's so much of that in Nehemiah. That first person account to just know who he was. And know what he did. Nehemiah loved the Lord. And I think that's a big part of what we're going to make sure that we understand. Nehemiah was a cupbearer to King Artaxerxes. cupbearer. That's a person who makes sure that they drink part of anything the king is going to drink. And so if somebody was going to try to kill the king, poison him, guess what Nehemiah got? Death. <laughs> He was going to drink everything before the king did to make sure that the king was going to be okay with whatever he drank. That was his job. Quite a job. I don't even think secret service can stand to that level of what the cupbearer did. It was quite a job of protection that he was for the king. And, and, uh, you know, they had a good relationship. I truly believe that we can read that from Nehemiah. That, that Nehemiah had a great relationship with the king, and the king had a great relationship with him, and, and it was um, it was good. I, I will tell you uh, that Nehemiah though was just an ordinary guy. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a prophet. He was just an ordinary guy just like you and I. His job was a little crazy. But he was an ordinary guy. He, An ordinary guy that loved the Lord. An ordinary guy that wasn't afraid to step out and do something for the Lord. But an ordinary guy that made sure that God was in every part of, his, uh, of the detail of his life. He made sure that God was first. That God led the way. And that's why I truly think that Nehemiah is where we need to be. So if you haven't already, open your Bibles, open them up to Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1. And as you're turning there, we're going to go to end of prayer. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for being the God that you are, the God of all, the God who made every living thing. Made everything that we can see with our eyes. Made all creation. And it's amazing. God, You are the God that gives life. And I thank You for that. And I pray that we know that it's in Jesus, Your Son, who You sent to the cross, that we have life. Jesus, thank You for not laying on the ground but coming up. God, You rose Him from the grave so that we can have life and forgiveness to the fullest. Thank You for being that God. I pray this morning that as we start into this book of Nehemiah, that we don't take it out of context. That we keep it in context. That we we read it and find truth of Your Word in it. That we grow from it. That we grow in our relationship with You. God, I pray that hearts are ready to hear Nehemiah chapter 1 this morning. I pray that that the Holy Spirit works through me to speak and I I get out of Your way. It be You. It be You completely. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeli, It came to pass in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Shishon, a city bill, and Hanani, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. So it was, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven. O great and awesome God, You who keep Your covenant and mercy with those who love You and observe Your commandments, please let Your ear be attentive and Your eyes open that You may hear the prayer of Your servant which I pray before You now, day and night. For the children of Israel, Your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel which we have sinned against You. Both My Father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you. You, and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember, I pray the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to Me and keep My commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out... to the Father parts of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for My name. Now these are Your servants and Your people whom You have redeemed by Your great power and by Your strong hand. O Lord, I pray, please let Your ear be attentive to the prayer of Your servant and to the prayer of Your servant who desires to fear Your name and let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. For I was the king's cupbearer. Whew! A <clears> lot <throat> well, there in chapter 1. I will tell you the bat: I'm not going to go through a study of Nehemiah like I did John where it was verse by verse, maybe word by word. But we're going to look at the bigger parts of Nehemiah as we work through it. And, and, and Nehemiah just jumps out there with a bang. uh, We can understand right off the bat that Nehemiah loves the Lord with everything he's got. We can understand that he wanted the Lord to lead him. We can understand in this that, that he had a heart for Jerusalem. And when his brother and these men came to Nehemiah and he asked them how Jerusalem was, they shot straight with him they they told him the truth they they didn't water it down i think it's a lesson for us in speaking truth a lot of times we'll water some truth down because we think it's going to uh, be better for the person we're telling usually not true you see they came to him and just just spoke truth to him and told him straight what Jerusalem, the condition Jerusalem was in. You know, uh, verse 4, though, hit me pretty hard. Verse 4 is where I've camped. It says, when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Just an ordinary guy that loves the Lord. And he hears these words of Jerusalem. A city in ruin. The Lord's city in ruin. And, and he wept and mourned over that. He wept and mourned over God's people in stress. Or distress. Maybe we can say it. He he mourned over it. Listen, he wasn't living in Jerusalem. But his heart was for God's people. His heart was was for that city. And he, he wept and mourned, not just for a half an hour to make himself feel good. No, he wept and mourned for days, it says. For many days. He wept and mourned. And in his weeping and praying, or weeping and mourning, he prayed and fasted. I and fasted. I could honestly not tell you a time that I ma- uh, that I mourned and fasted lately for God's people. And that hit me this week, right between the eyes. Uh, if I have a heart for God's people, does it really matter when I hear that they're in struggles? Tough times. Going through a rough patch in life. See, because God tells me if I love Him, I'm supposed to love His people. The same way I love Him. And it's not that I don't love God's people, but do I love Him as much as He calls me to love them? When we hear of God's people going through a struggle, do we cry out to the Lord? Do we cry out to the Lord for them? with a heart that is weeping in mourning <clears throat> and maybe even fasting and praying. I've really been heavy hearted about prayer and fasting. I've not done that too much in recent years. And I'll tell you, I promise you I've gone through stuff in my life that I should have been praying and fasting. There's stuff in my life right now that I should be praying and fasting for. But I have not passed up a meal in quite some time. (laughs) You see, the thing about fasting, though, is um, our world of religion has turned fasting into a selfish act. Maybe even telling more about telling people about what you're fasting and turning it into a diet. It's not what it is. And I think that's maybe why I've been hardened towards it. Because <clears throat> I didn't want to be a hypocrite. But yet I'm forsaking God at the same time. You see, there are things in my life going on that I should absolutely be praying and fasting for. But it's probably the last place I go. You see, fasting is intimate. When you connect fasting and praying together, it becomes extremely intimate because it's a relationship here, not here. But our world of religion has made it here. But I want to make it here. I want to make it about our relationship with the Lord. If there's something that's on our heart that that we're struggling with, or or, 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 or that we know that somebody's struggling, and we want to be praying for them. Why do we forsake fasting and praying? But yet, Nehemiah is so Readily, so instantly went to it. So willingly just did it. You see, but I want to make sure that we get fasting right. Because in, in Matthew 6.16, Jesus gives us quite a teaching on it. And I want you to just listen to this. Matthew 6.16, write it down if you want to. Go study this week with Matthew 6.16. It says, whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do. For they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but your Father who is in secret and your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. We don't have to tell the world that we're fasting. That's not what Jesus wants. He says, You, you don't, don't look at, don't come in depressed, don't come in with a saddened face, don't come in, Oh, I'm so hungry. No, He says, Put a smile on your face, wash your face, make yourself look good, go out in public. Don't let them know what you're doing in secret for the Lord in the intimacy of that relationship. Fasting is between you and God. Period. Fasting is for a time of prayer that every time you get hungry, you get on your knees and you pray because you know that God is your provider. Not the world. Not the grocery store. Not the restaurant. But God. God is the provider. If you will with me, jump over to Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58, and I love this chapter of Isaiah. It lays out what I'm talking about here in such a trying to use proper English here, such a better way than I do. Isaiah 58 is is just phenomenal in trying to say what I'm saying, and so I'm just going to read this whole chapter because it's it's neat. It's needed. Isaiah chapter 58. Cry aloud. Spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways. As a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God, they ask of me the ordinance of justice. They take delight in approaching God. Why have we why have we fasted, they say? And you have not seen. Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? In fact, in the day of your fast you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. Indeed you fast for strife and debate and to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day. To make your voice heard on high? Is it a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bounds of wickedness to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and let you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked, that you cover him and not hide yourself. From your own flesh, then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and He will say, Here I am. You take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness. If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall rise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach the restorer of streets to dwell in. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor Him not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken." Read that every day this week. <clears throat> Study it. Let it be on your heart. I will tell you just this week, um, Uh, I got the blessing of having a conversation with with, uh, an elder from this church. And uh, this exact thing was talked about. Are we as a church forsaking prayer and fasting? Not to seek self, but to seek where God leads. We had quite a conversation and threw out a lot of stuff, but what I'm going to ask you is uh, stay tuned in that. I don't know where it's going to lead, but I want you praying about it. I'm going to ask you to be be in prayer about this church and about us as individuals and us as a church and, and what this means, fasting and praying for this church. To seek His hand and not our own. His guidance and not our own. We talk about it a lot. I think it's time to be in prayer, about. So I'm just going to tell you, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Keep coming. I said it this morning in class. Keep coming. Keep coming, because I'm excited about what's happening, what God is doing. But you see, Nehemiah was all about seeking the Lord and fasting and prayer. We have Nehemiah's prayer. Right after this verse that he said he was he was fasting and praying and, and, and he goes right into this, this prayer. I will tell you in the adult class, uh, the young adult class, uh, Bible study, I should call it, we've been talking about prayer. And, and we've been talking about the, the uh model prayer that Jesus gives us. I will just say Nehemiah's prayer goes right along with Jesus' example of a prayer. And what it should be. He gives great praise to God, to the God of heaven. He gives him amazing praise. And then he says in verse 6, Let your ear now be attentive to your eye and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am praying before you now day and night. Listen to those words. Listen to those words, and he says, and I'm just going to ask you: have you prayed it lately? Not for selfish, seeking uh, a motivation. But if you pray that prayer before you pour out your heart to God for the needs of people. Because He says that and then He pours His heart. And He says, I'm praying this night he says, I'm praying this day and night. Day and night. Day and night I'm praying this. And then he pours out his heart, confessing his sins, and confessing the sins of the masses. He says, and I in my Father's house have sinned. We, we, we've fallen short. We've not followed the commandment. We've messed it up. Fallen short of the glory of God. He says, I have sinned. I, I, many of us can say that? How many of us do say it? I will tell you I fall short of the glory of God. I have sinned. I mess it up. Just this morning I sinned because I didn't treat my wife very good. I'm just going to say it, okay? He says confess to the brethren. Confess to the brothers and sisters, right? I messed it up. I fall short. Am I honestly seeking God in my shortcomings? Am I being honest that, God, I'm tired of messing it up. I'm tired of falling short. I'm tired of of the struggle. And I'm tired of not just laying it down at your feet. See, that's what Nehemiah is laying out here. God, I, I, I and all those around me have fallen short of your command. Are we praying Are we saying that? Are we being honest with ourselves? Because here's the truth. God calls us to love Him with everything we have. And to love our brother the same. Love our neighbor the same. Are we doing that? Honestly, are we doing that? <laughs> I preached a lot about it when we went through John and I'm not here to make us feel bad, okay? I'm not trying to be doom and gloom and man come on, church, fire and brimstone, pick it up, be better. No, like let's be honest about it. But how do we do it better? Him. Him. How do we do it better? Him. Praying. Seeking Him. You see, because Jesus says in Matthew 28, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. I, didn't, I didn't Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then then He goes on. Teaching them to observe all the commands, all that I've commanded you. See, it's not just about telling people about Jesus, Jesus loves you. Woo, I did my job. It's about telling them that Jesus loves them and letting them know how Jesus calls us to be different in a good way. And He says this, I I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. He's with us. God, he's, he's with us walking through this. So, church, I have a serious and straightforward question for you this morning. I'm not going to water it down. Are we making disciples? Honestly. Think about it. Are we making disciples? Are we following the commands of Jesus? But more than that, are we seeking Him so intimately in prayer and fasting that we can't help but see those who are in need? And then don't have to say a word. I'm speaking to myself here. I'm speaking to myself here, and Vanessa's a chirp. Maybe you're not on the same in the same spot as me. Maybe I'm speaking out of line here, but I want to be done with putting myself as the top priority. I want to be done with making sure that it's good for me first and then I'll be a part of it. That's real. But God tells us to deny our flesh, pick up our cross and follow. And if we forget the part of denying the flesh, we keep self first. I want to be done with that. I want to be done with not being an intimate prayer with Jesus every morning and every night. Nehemiah said, I pray day and night. I want to be done with not doing that. And I want to encourage you to do the same. So, church, if you're with me, say amen. 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 I'm going to invite the music team up. And I'm just going to say uh, if you said amen, there's one choice. One choice. And that choice is uh, to pray. Seek Him. Seek Him with everything you got. The choice is. Christ And Christ alone. <clears throat> Seriously seeking Him every morning and every night. And not letting it just be out of convenience. Just when you have time. Just when it works for you. Because in America it's pretty easy to do that. It's pretty easy to be Fat, dumb, and happy Christians. But I don't want to be that way. Jesus told the five thousand, "If you're here just for the food, go back home." And I think it's time to be serious about that. But if you're coming here just for the food, go back home. Tell myself that too be serious about the intimacy of relationship with Jesus Christ and what that looks like. And I'll tell you, as we sang and praised Jesus this morning and there were smiles going everywhere, man that's awesome. When life is tough that's where I want to be. Singing and praising with a smile on my face and a joy in my heart that only can come from Him. But if I'm all about self, I lose my joy. I lose everything in that. You see, I don't want to be in the comfort zone anymore. And a saying I once heard from a church was, what's wrong with being comfortable? What's wrong with being comfortable is then we're not doing when God says go. I want to be in such prayer, such intimate prayer, that we're ready. We're armored up. And when Jesus says go, we're moving. But you see, when Nehemiah heard about Jerusalem, he didn't just take off running, he got on his knees first and he prayed and fasted and waited for the Lord to say go. That's what the Lord's put on my heart is that's where we need to be in, in this church. On our knees. Praying and fasting. Seeking the Lord. Where are we going? What are we doing, Lord? And being intimate about it. Intimate about it. I want to challenge you to be praying about it. To be seeking Him. I don't know what that means for this church. I don't know what that looks like. I don't have all the answers. But what I do want to know... Is are we willing to go there? Are we willing to step out of that comfort zone and be serious about intimate prayer as individuals and as a body? Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Because I think it's going to be good. But I want to challenge you to be in prayer. To be in prayer, intimate prayer. And if you are here today and you've never accepted Jesus, today's the day. Stop making excuses. Today is the day to come to Him. Allow Him to be the Lord of your life. And if you have done that and you haven't been baptized, stop making excuses. I don't care what pride issue you have. Lay it down. Lay it down and say, Yes, Jesus, I love You. You're the Lord of my life. And if I need to jump in some water for You, I'm going to jump in some water for You. And I'm going to be baptized. I'm going to walk in You. And be all about You. Because if we don't take that step, we can't give or get to the intimacy, because pride gets in the way and we can't lay self down. Lay self down today. Come to Him fully. And if you want to do that, come forward as we stand and sing here in a minute. While we're praying, if you want to come up here, come up here. Seriously. I've been asking this church for two years now and count on one hand how many people have come forward for prayers i'm broken (laughs) and i know you are too it's okay if we're here for one another in him let's truly unite okay father god i thank you for today i thank you for every person i thank you for your love i thank you that man we can just call on your name and you are here you are listening God, we are broken. We sin. We fall short of Your glory. And You know that. You know that. But that's why You sent Your Son to die for us. We don't have to do anything for it. Besides, lay down ourselves and say, You, Jesus. You. And You cover us. You tell us to yoke up with You because Your burden is light. And we are heavy... Laden to give it to You. I pray that we do that, but we know that we can only do that when we intimately seek You and intimately be in prayer with You. And if that means laying down self and fasting and denying the flesh, denying denying self, Lord, I pray that we take that step and get out of the comfort zone and do that. Lord, I pray for guidance for this church. I pray for guidance as to what all that means for us to get out of the comfort zone. Lord, I thank You that we can seek You so intimately and You seek us more, more. Thank You. Lord, I pray for anybody that's struggling today. Anybody that's that's just so overwhelmed, so burdened that they're struggling. Lord, I pray that they just put their eyes upon You and they lay it down at Your feet and say, in You, I can have joy. Lord, I pray that we do that. I pray that we seek You in everything. Thank You, Jesus, for dying for us. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen.